0: Hello, preceptors and podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of Precept to Practice, the CE Impact podcast dedicated to preceptors and their unique role as clinician educators. In today's episode, we'll be hearing from Dr. Jeff Wall, a longtime preceptor with expertise in critical care and internal medicine. Jeff is a sought after preceptor by student pharmacists. Listen in to hear his approach to staying current while incorporating evidence based practice into his teaching. Today I'm happy to welcome Jeff Wall to the podcast. I've known Jeff for many years now as a much beloved preceptor at Drake University. Jeff teaches students on both the critical care and internal medicine teams um, at Methodist Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa, as well as uh, part of a drug information rotation. Jeff really has a reputation for engaging students in the literature and supporting them and effectively using the evidence as they develop into young practitioners. So I'm really looking forward to engaging um, you, Jeff, in a conversation about statistics and how to support students in becoming competent consumers of the literature. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Kathy, I appreciate having me. It's always good to talk to you and I'll do my best to make statistics not boring.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get at it then. All right. Um, Well, so let's start by having you talk with me a little bit about why it's so important for preceptors to be comfortable evaluating primary literature.
1: Right. And I think you could just expand this to just pharmacists in general. Uh, one of the very first lectures I give every block to my students is uh, how to keep up on the medical literature block or uh, lecture, basically. And, uh, you know, one of the things I say right at the beginning of that lecture is that pharmacists in a very real sense are information brokers. Right. We take the latest literature and apply it to the bedside. So, I mean, you know, this latest study, or here's the latest information on a treatment or side effect or whatever. And we kind of, you know, arrange that in our mind and try to place it, you know, to the patient in front of us and try to apply that information. I use the, we're kind of like lawyers, you know, lawyers take case law and apply it to the case in front of them. We take drug information and, and the medical literature and apply it to the patient in front of us. I think the big difference, of course, is pharmacists, unfortunately, didn't decide that we could charge for that. I wish we'd have thought of that about 50 years ago, but, uh, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) one of the reasons why we're kind of struggling a bit. But yeah, I I think that's why, you know, uh, from a global perspective, we're information brokers. And so it it really is part of our profession to look at the literature, have the latest literature and be able to assess it, you know, in a way that's timely and applicable to the patients that you're seeing.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I I think I loved what what you said there about applying to the bedside and really making it you know, practical, taking that science and, and making it about the patient, which, you know, is really the goal at the end of the day as we as we're teaching our students to.
1: Right, exactly. And of course, like everything else, and the other thing I say in this first lecture is, you know, like every other skill in pharmacy, uh, getting good at reading studies, you know, doesn't happen overnight, it takes practice. And the more you do, the better you get at it.
0: Mm hmm. Boy, oh, boy. That's true. After not only being a couple of years out of my uh, dissertation, I can relate to that. it took be a long time to get comfortable. I'm sure. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, see you work with a lot of students every year. I mean, I I know when I was at Drake, you were maybe taking uh, two students on two different rotation um, experiences at a time. What are the most common statistical sort of misnomers or fallacies that you see learners commit?
1: Right. I mean, I, th- I think from, you know, there's some 30,000 foot ones and and I'm not going to tag pharmacy students in particular. I think we all kind of make some of these when we're starting to kind of wade through the literature. I think the first ones is, and Lord knows you're seeing this in the popular media when it comes to the coverage of the COVID crisis, is using retrospective studies to try and prove causality, right? You know, there you've got mm-hmm. a retrospective study that shows that drug X works for disease Y? Well, the the problem is, of course, that retrospective studies really can't show causality. They can show associations, but they can't really show that this caused this, that you really have to have a prospective randomized controlled trial to do that. That's why it's the highest level on the pyramid of evidence. But a lot of people say, well, you know, I mean, uh, this showed that this worked for this. Well, did it show that or you know, did it show that it might work for this? But we really need need a study to show. So I think that's one. Um, Mm -hmm. I think another uh, real common one is underpowered Powered studies that don't show a difference between two therapies. And then it's kind of assumed that both therapies are the same. Is that true? Or is treatment A and treatment B the same for the disease? Or is it that treatment A in the study was just underpowered to show a difference if one existed and we needed more patients or a different statistical design to show that? So I think that's another kind of 30,000 foot thing that you'll see that people kind of stumble on a little bit when, when they're starting to read the literature. And then, and then, I you know, I think the third one is just, you know, even from a, a very general point the whole inclusion exclusion criteria thing you know how close are these patients to the ones i'm seeing this may be the greatest study ever done showing that you know i don't know peanut butter treats the common cold hey terrific you know but you know if the patients in that study don't match my patients it's not very applicable to me and sometimes i think we we tend to forget that so those are three i think of some of the kind of the big thirty thousand foot stuff that sometimes people we stumble on when we're reading these trials
0: yeah, yeah. Those are all great examples of some of those kind of hiccups that students have when they're interpreting literature. And again, you know, I think in that third example, again, it's it's making the literature practical right. and, and useful, um, you know, to your patients and, and whether or not there's that connection there. So, yeah, that's, that's good. Where Are there references that you use or that you could recommend for students um, and other preceptors who maybe need to brush up a little bit sure. on, on the statistics? or, you know, or needs just some help in being effective consumers.
1: Absolutely. And I definitely want to call out, I I think CEI is actually going to come up with a statistics refresher, which I think will do a lot of this for the listeners who are are already uh, um, uh, members of CE Impact or would like to check out that at the website. I think that's something to definitely check out. Um, Fortunately, you know, the tried and true statistical tests and and trial designs haven't changed a ton in the last 20, 30 years. And so, you know, the good news is that, you know, you, you don't have to have the latest, greatest stuff to really have a pretty good handle on how stats work and trial design work. There was a series of articles that were done in the Annals of Emergency Medicine clean back in the 1990s that are still a really good, you know, almost layperson review of trial design and, you know, the different types of studies and things along those lines. And they're easy to get. I think they're free now and in, in, on the Annals of Emergency Medicine website. And if they're not, they're very easy to get through a local library, something along those lines. So I think that's pretty good. Uh, ACCP, the American, American College of Clinical Pharmacy also uh, has several kind of statistical review type, either classes or references on their website. Uh, You know, certainly you can bust out, you know, there's many biostatistical books out there, but I don't think that's probably what the average practitioner needs. I think uh, many of the things, once you have the basics down, you just keep reading studies and, and you start to get good at quickly interpreting what you need to interpret.
0: Right. Yeah, and we can gather some of those references, and we'll make sure we get those in the show notes for listeners, uh, along with a link to that biostatistics course too. Um, statistics is, you know, really kind of like anything else, right? Getting on the bike and and just continuing to practice and yep. and and making sure that you're engaging with the literature, you know, routinely and frequently, so that you you get better and better at it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any best practices or recommendations? I know, I know that you can find a lot of uh, you know, little little tutorials on on the internet, you know, ways to effectively and efficiently um evaluate studies, everything from reading them front to back to back to front. Um, you know, any any recommendations or best practices that you have or how you, you know, initiate sort of an evaluation? Sure.
1: Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that if it's taking you more than about a half an hour to read a, a paper, unless the paper's 20 pages long, if it's your typical primary literature evaluation or study that's in your general medical journal, it should only take you about 20 minutes to read. And to help you do that, um, I think having kind of a checklist that helps you think about the important things that you need, you need to be looking at. And there's actually quite a few of them out there. O- the Oxford University of Oxford has the evidence-based medicine initiative that they have, um, and I think that's on their website and they actually have a, you know, a checklist for like when you're doing a journal club and you could absolutely apply this to, to any study where it basically walks you through and says, you know, these are the things you need to look at. And I think like everything else, the more you read studies, the more you're able to really break it down and go, okay, look, you know, all I really care about is, you know, what were they trying to do? The inclusion, the exclusion criteria, what did they actually do? What were their outcomes? What was the statistical plan? You know, what, How did they plan to analyze this stuff? What were the baseline characteristics in, in the study? And again, are they similar to my patients? What were the results? And, uh, you know, what did they think of the results? And I think, you know, those are kind of the big kind of seven, eight questions you want to ask in almost any study. But if you're like, well, I can't remember all that, you don't have to. There's, again, there's numerous places where they kind of do this in kind of a checklist type style to help you do that. In my syllabi that I give to my students, because I have my students all do journal clubs, that I have kind of a standard checklist that they kind of walk through. So,
0: yeah, awesome. That's that's super helpful. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't call out Impact's monthly journal club that we Absolutely. do. Yeah, as a live, as a live journal club, and so it, it occurs on the second Wednesday of every month um, at noon Central Time, and we engage with faculty members from around the country to lead a journal club uh, following a, a fairly uh, structured format that can uh, be used. I think really for preceptors and pharmacists to you know force them to sort of engage with the literature in, in more of a systematic process, but also help them uh, by creating a collaborative learning environment with students where they're doing, uh, you know, where they're working through that exercise as well. So um, we'll also include some, uh, some of that information in the show notes here to you today so that uh, we can connect folks to that resource. Okay. Excellent. Any last uh, thoughts on um, engaging in primary literature uh, would, Jeff, as a practitioner I just... teacher?
1: don't don't be scared of it you know i know a lot of boots on the ground pharmacists who you know have been in the trenches for a long time and maybe haven't you know they'll do their ce or They'll read pharmacist letter which is actually a really good reference or something you know to kind of get an idea of what's going on but you know the thought of sitting out with a paper and especially discussing with students just seems really daunting don't let it be daunting you do have the ability to do this and with practice you will get more comfortable looking at stuff and reading stuff and discussing papers with your students and it's like compounding stuff it's like doing vancomycin calculations it's like counseling patients it's you know everything we do just takes practice and and don't, don't be afraid of of, of reading the literature. You will be able to get good at it with time and practice.
0: Yeah, awesome. Great advice. Great advice. Um, well, Jeff, I know you're, you're busy at the hospital um, and not always in good ways right now. So, no,
1: Unfortunately not. So, yeah. I really
0: appreciate you taking time with me today to talk about this. Um, it's nice to take a break, I think, sometimes and focus on something else besides COVID me too. And, and think about the bigger picture where we're headed here. So.
1: All right. Thanks very much. All right. Take care. You too.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Precept to Practice. Please check out the show notes for additional resources related to today's topic. I want to shout out a few specific things that I think will really be helpful to you. First, a one-hour CE Impact Biostatistics Refresher course. While designed for preceptors, any pharmacist or student would benefit from this overview. Take an opportunity to dust off your stats expertise and build your confidence relative to primary literature evaluation. Second, check out our monthly journal club. Each month, a pharmacist colleague reviews a recent study and engages a live audience in discussion. It's a great way to stay on top of the literature while creating a collaborative learning opportunity for you and your student. And finally, subscribe to the Game Changers Pharmacotherapy podcast. Each week, our guest today, Jeff Wall, reviews a hot topic, often a new drug or a new study that has come out in the news. Another great way to stay on top of our ever-changing world. Don't forget to join the Pharmacy Network to follow this podcast and engage with other preceptors on topics that matter most to you as a teacher and mentor. Thanks again for joining today. We'll see you next month on Preceptive Practice.